Well, a couple weeks ago, we began a verse-by-verse study in a really uh, relevant chapter in the Bible, a Bible passage that's concerning last days. So it's in Matthew chapter 24. I'd invite you to turn there in your Bibles, page 1141, Matthew chapter 24. If you didn't bring your Bible, hopefully you can read along with the Bible under the seat in front of you. What a relevant passage to be studying right now. Lord, we thank you for your word, and I pray that we would be aware of the days in which we live. Father, I pray that there would be a sense of urgency that fills the church, each one of us here tonight, as we consider the things going on in this world. Give us insight, bless our time tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. So remember the setting, Jesus is up on the Mount of Olives, overlooking the old city of Jerusalem with that marvelous temple there. And the disciples come up to him and ask him three very important questions. In verse 3 it says, As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So these three questions are the questions that Jesus answers in Matthew chapter 24. Now, tell us when these things will be. That first question is really, when will the temple be destroyed? Jesus had predicted that the temple would be destroyed. And they're on the Mount of Olives looking at this massive temple How is that possible? And Jesus gave a prophecy concerning how the temple would be um, destroyed. And that temple was destroyed in 70 AD. The Romans surrounded the Jews there who had rebelled. Thousands and thousands of Jews were killed. The temple was leveled and The Jews went into dispersion from 70 AD all over the world at that point. So that first question was answered. The next two questions, what's the sign of your coming? What's the sign of the end of the age? So the disciples here are asking Jesus, when's the big reveal? When are you going to reveal yourself as the king of glory? As the king of kings, when is your kingdom going to come? When are you going to set up your kingdom? And remember, from their perspective, they're asking that question on this side of the cross. Jesus, at his first coming, came to die on the cross for the sins of the world and to rise again. The disciples were expecting this glorious king and kingdom at that first coming. They didn't see the crucifixion coming. Now they would eventually come to see Jesus would die, he'd rise, he'd ascend to heaven, and he told his disciples before he left, I'll come back. So from our perspective, we're reading these questions from over here. How soon is your second coming? When are you going to show yourself in glory? 
When are you going to return? And in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus gives very clear signs that indicate whether or not we're living in the last days. And over the coming weeks, we're going to systematically look at each of these signs. We're going to populate a list. And we're going to determine that we are, in fact, living in the last days. So tonight, we're going to look at one sign. And it's found in verses 4 and 5. Read it carefully with me. Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Massive spiritual deception. And imposters, false Christs, will characterize the days leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ. There will be massive deception. Now, deception is a very dangerous thing. People who are deceived believe something as being true when, in fact, it's not true. So, a deceived person is someone who is convinced that something is true, is living according to that truth, is basing their life and eternity on that truth, but it's not true, it's a lie. Deception is very dangerous. Suppose somebody was convinced that gravity was a farce. Gravity is not real. And that's their feeling. They, they're convinced. And so they go to the top of this building and they're going to prove that gravity isn't real. And we're over there saying, don't jump. Gravity is real. It's not a lie. And this person says, I don't care. I think it's a farce. And they jump and what's going to happen to that person? They're dead. Deception leads to death. And nowhere is deception more dangerous than in the realm of spiritual matters where all of eternity is at stake. And Jesus said in the last days, massive deception among people. And this deception will come from imposters. Jesus says very clearly, verse 5, Many will come in my name saying that I am the Christ and will deceive many. So in the last days, there will be many false Christs in place. People who claim to speak in the name of Jesus, for Jesus, and many even claiming to be Jesus themselves. The world will be filled with that. In the last days. The Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist. You know when you hear Antichrist. There's two ways to think about it. An Antichrist. Is someone who's anti-Christ. Against Christ. These are people that teach a different Christ. But you can also think of. In the Greek. An Antichrist is instead of Christ. 
It's offering yourself as a substitute for Christ. There'll be many of those in the last days. So, are we living in the last days? Yes. There is massive deception. There are many imposters already in place. But wait, some of you might say, hasn't the church had to deal with false teachers throughout all of our church history? We have, right? You're right. The church has had to deal with imposters all of the last 2,000 years. Listen to these words from John. He says, little children, it's the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many, many Antichrists have come. By which we know that is the last hour, he goes on to say. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Now, John wrote those words somewhere between 85 and 90 A.D., Within a hundred years, in the first part of church history, there were imposters. There were antichrists at work. And we know that throughout church history, there have been, you read church history and you read of all the church councils that took place that had to kick heretics out and all of the false teaching that has gone on. Throughout all of church history, there are many false teachers in every single generation. So, the existence of imposters is not the sign. Because there have always been imposters. It's the escalation. It's the rise. The key word there is many in verse 5. Many will come in my name and will deceive how many? Many. There'll be many. In the last days, the world will be filled with these folks. There's a very important verse I want you to see here in Matthew chapter 24. It's it's key to everything. It's verse 8. Look at verse 8. I've even got it up here on the screen. Jesus said, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, the Greek word for sorrow is speaking of labor pains, birth pangs. That's the actual word. Now, I don't know by experience, but I'm pretty sure labor hurts. I was with Kim when she went through it. It hurt. Now, when childbirth is is getting closer and closer, there's the contractions, right? And they start slight, And they're further apart. But as you get closer and closer to birth, what happens? They get way more intense and way more frequent. That principle applies to every sign that we're going to be studying in the next several weeks. Jesus says there'll be earthquakes in the last days. Well, there's always been earthquakes. But in the last days, the earthquakes will become stronger and closer together. He'll talk about wars and rumors of wars. There have always been wars. 
But in the last days, they'll be way more intense and closer together. False teachers, false Christs, where there always have been that. But in the last days, there'll be more of them. And it'll be more intense, and there'll be more deception. So, I believe that there are many imposters today on planet Earth that are already in existence, and lots of people are deceived. And I'll mention some by name. The Mormons. The Mormons teach a different Jesus than you find in the Bible. You realize that, right? It's a different Jesus. As of the end of uh, 2022, there are 17 million Mormons. Jehovah Witnesses. They also teach a different Jesus. It's not the same Jesus as in the Bible. As of the end of 2022, there are 8.5 million active witnesses of Jehovah in the world preaching in over 235 different lands and in hundreds of different spoken and signed languages. And lots of people are deceived by those false Christs. The New Age movement. It's hard to even put a number on that, but a lot of people are into New Age, and there's this New Age version version of Jesus. Not the same Jesus as the Bible. Islam. Do you realize that Jesus is important in Islam? He's a prophet. Muslims consider Jesus to be a prophet. But he's only one of many prophets. There's Abraham, there's Ishmael, there's, there's Jesus. And then finally, the last prophet would be their Mohammed, which they believe eclipses all the other prophets. There are close to 2 billion Muslims on planet Earth. The world population is about 8 billion. 25% of the world of the world. There are many others. Sun and moon. Leader of the Unitarian Church out of North Korea. By the way, he died in September of 2012. But he was declared to be the Messiah. These are The Messiah proclamation. The Christian world must confront the fact that the Messiah's second advent took place at the end of World War II in an obscure setting. According to him, Jesus came back a second time as him. As did Jesus, he met with countless difficulties, including accusation and rejection. Bearing every cross, he, the Reverend Sun Yang Moon, took responsibility for the failure of this generation of Christians, and he stands today as the historical victor with a worldwide following. Here's a guy who claimed to be the Messiah. Of course, he died in 2012. Hinduism. Mariajis. The world is a blessed place with the most special saint living in our midst who makes the atmosphere holy 
by his mere presence. He has come to earth to uplift fallen souls, and he lives, eats, breathes, thinks, and knows only God and God alone. A passing glance from him is enough to melt the heart and light the fire of a love for God within. He's proficient in all scriptures, not because he's ever studied them, but because he is the embodiment of knowledge. Each and every pore of his being chants the holy name because he's the incarnation of devotion. How many Hindus are on planet Earth? How many people are deceived? How many false Christs? Several years ago, a watchdog group said there have been over 1,100 religious leaders in different parts of the world in the last 50 years who have claimed to be Christ and the Savior of the world. Most of these false Christs have risen in Africa, in India, or in the Orient, and have spread into the West. 1,100 who claim to be Christ. In America alone, America alone has more than 350 sects and cults Most of them claim to base their doctrines on the word of God, and all of them have an inaccurate view of Jesus Christ. The world is filled with them today. They're all in place. So much deception. And then... The last day prophecies also speak of the apostate church that will be in place in the days leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Paul mentions it in 2 Thessalonians. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. The great apostasy and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. There's a great apostrophe apostasy from the church in the last days. Lots of people leaving orthodox Christianity. Paul also says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, there will come time when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap out for themselves teachers, and they'll turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Folks, there are a lot of people going to church today that are being deceived. They walk into a church, the front door, and at the end of their life, they're not going to heaven because they're deceived. Understand, there are many, many liberal churches that reject the blood of Jesus Christ, that refuse to to preach it. They think, oh, we're going to offend people. There are many churches that are caught up in health, wealth, and prosperity and making Christianity all about a get-rich-here-now club. And lots of people, lots of people are deceived. I think the massive deception in these days is also through all of our media. Do we have enough news channels that we can watch today? Or, or YouTube and all of the different social media. Do you trust all these guys? Are they all about 
reaching us with the truth about what's going on in the world or are they competing with each other for clicks so that there would be all kinds of and then the sensational headlines are are purported we also have what's called the internet now in our day you trust everything you hear on the internet Do you understand how quickly deception can travel? You can find any type of perverse thing you want to find on the internet. There are online cults all over the internet. There are dark, there's, there's darkness on the internet. People have access to darkness like never before. And I don't know if you can trust any stories anymore. They manipulate the images. Deep fakes. You've heard of that, right? They change a video. There was a video here recently, I think even last week, of former President Trump making a speech. wasn't real. It was generated by AI. You're going to be able to watch videos and not know if it was real or if it was generated by someone else. And this causes deception, confusion, just to multiply, to go viral, if you will. I think we saw a great, um, well, a terrible example of that just this last week, actually yesterday. You all heard the news, remember, about the, the bomb that landed on a hospital in Gaza. A bomb landed on the hospital, killed 500 people, and Israel shot it. Israel shot that, that, that rocket that landed. That was how the story went out, you remember? And the world went nuts, completely nuts. Every Muslim on planet Earth went berserk, started storming embassies and all of this. Was it right? The rocket was from Gaza itself. It failed. It crashed into their own hospital. And by the way, it didn't crash into the hospital. It crashed into the parking lot outside of the hospital. Hundreds of people were not killed. And yet that story went viral, that Israel did it. And created rage all over the world. And even now that the truth has been shown with clear evidence, the lie has already gone out. And the terrorists are more and more inflamed against Israel. Jesus said, in the last days, there will be massive deception. And false prophets and teaching and misinformation all over the planet. These are just a few examples. Now the Bible teaches that this is going to get worse and worse and worse. Until finally the worst of all imposters will show up. The worldwide dictator 
clearly predicted in the scripture. The Antichrist. He's also referred to as the man of sin, the man of perdition. He will deceive the whole world. The Antichrist will be a dictatorship. The Bible is clear that he will be the dictator over one world government in the future. A global community over which the Antichrist will take complete and total control. Revelation chapter 13 talks about the rise of the beast. John gets a vision. He says, then I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns and on his horns, ten crowns and on his heads, a blasphemous name. Now the beast, which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear and his mouth, like the mouth of a lion The dragon, or Satan, gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. Now, this is apocalyptic language, but there's some well-known imagery. The sea in the scripture usually speaks of the sea of humanity. So this is a guy that's going to come out of the sea of humanity. He's going to be a politician. Imagine that, the Antichrist being a politician. He will rule, words like crowns and a throne. Here he's described as this, uh, this strange beast, you know, the body of a leopard, the feet of a bear, the mouth of a lion, and all of that. This is uh, actually looking back to a vision that Daniel got, as recorded in Daniel chapter 7, where he saw four beasts come out of the sea, and he describes these beasts. And it's just like this beast. And these beasts coming out of the sea refer to different empires that will come on the scene. And so the language here is of a worldwide kingdom and one king coming out. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. That is the coming Antichrist. And he is called the beast for a reason. Because he will be beastly. And he will kill all people. He will hunt down people that don't subscribe to his one world government. So he's going to be the dictator over a one-world government. Check this out. He will also be the dictator over a one-world economy. A one-world economy. It goes on to say in Revelation chapter 13, he causes all, everyone, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 66. For years, people laughed at this verse. 
How is it that everyone has to have a mark or they can't buy or sell or have any economic commerce? Nobody's laughing now. All the technology exists. You know, I freak out sometimes. I have an Apple Watch. And when I buy something, I go up to something and boop. And it's really convenient, but it freaks me out a little. Move the chip from here to here. Or to here. All the technology is in place. Now, can you imagine with someone having power over all of that? And the control that they will have over people. 666, the number of of man, the number of the beast, not sure exactly what that's going to mean. Although I've always wondered why our internet, and you go to places and it's www. www. I've always wondered about. And, and by the way, every device that you have that's connected to the internet has an IP address. A unique IP address. When they start putting chips in us, you'll be a walking IP address. You'll be connected. You'll be able to buy only by having this mark on your hand or your forehead. Now the Bible says if you're living in those last days, don't get that mark. That'll be very hard for you. But don't get the mark. So we have a guy who's in charge of a one-world government and a one-world economy, and it gets worse. He'll also be in charge of a one-world religion. This man will be empowered by Satan. All of the scriptures that speak speak of him speak of somebody who's able to perform signs and wonders. This guy will be able to do signs and wonders. He'll be able to do miracles. He'll deceive many. He'll be charismatic. He'll be spiritual. He'll be the perfect world leader for the moment. When he comes on the scene, he'll be very peaceful. The scriptures indicate that he will uh, broker, negotiate a peace deal in the Middle East. He'll be very inclusive. He'll try to include everybody's God. And, you know, there's the big push now. All, the, all roads lead to the same God and all the gods are the same. And he'll try to make that all come together. But in the final analysis, he'll show his true colors And the Antichrist will try to get what Satan has always wanted from the beginning. Worship. Worship from the human race. And so we find out in Revelation chapter 13, all who dwell on earth will worship him. Whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. You get that mark, you're worshiping him. You bow before him, you, you worship the whole world. He'll force the world to worship him. Paul gives us insight, First Thessalon- or 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, the big apostasy, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, 
who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. What a fascinating verse. An antichrist seeking worship from the world, from a throne, in a temple. By the way, that'll be a new temple that's constructed on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. So, one world government, one world economy, one world religion, all tied together under the control of the Antichrist. Think of that. That's where we're headed. So understand, we are headed to a global community. According to the scripture and these different prophecies, there has to be a one world government, a one world economy, a one world religion. I think that's why the enemy is systematically trying to destroy the United States of America. We're the last domino to fall. When the U.S. goes down, it paves the way for the one world government. And there's a big uh, force, political force in this country right now that wants America to go down. So that there can be a global community, a global government. One more detail about the Antichrist, and this is my favorite one about him by the way. He's going to die one day. (laughs) He will be defeated. And when will he be defeated? When Jesus Christ comes again. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 8, and then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Folks, Jesus and the Antichrist are not equal. The Antichrist is not the inverse opposite of Jesus. When Jesus comes again, he will blow the guy away. Revelation chapter 19. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Jesus comes again. And that will take place at the end of the tribulation period at the battle of Armageddon. The Antichrist will be wiped out. But don't miss this. Jesus in this first sign says that the world will be filled with massive deception and false apostles. And I would add that we're seeing that right now. And I would add to that. That we are living in the very days that make it ripe for the ultimate imposter. I think it's very soon. Now I believe the church gets raptured before all that. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. I believe he will come soon. Amen. If you get left behind, you're going to have to deal with all that. But if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, 
you'll be saved from all of that. But there's a very big lesson here, and I don't want you to miss it. You better know who the real Jesus is. You better know who the real Jesus is. Paul said to the Second Corinthians in the church in, Sec- in Corinth in Second Corinthians, he said, For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we've not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Paul says, here's a church that was so deceived, they might accept a Jesus that was not originally preached. Very deceptive. You better know the real Jesus. The real Jesus is God's son. The second person of the Trinity. Eternally God in the past, eternally God in the future. He's God who became man in the incarnation. The Lord Jesus Christ in his incarnation on planet earth was fully God and fully man. He was the perfect, sinless, holy one. Never committed a sin. Jesus went to the cross and offered his life voluntarily for all the sins of the world. That we might have the opportunity to be saved and forgiven. Our sin was transferred to him. He died in our place. He was buried. On the third day, he rose again. He's alive. He ascended to heaven. Right now, he's our high priest. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says that right now, he's preparing a place for us. And one day, soon, he's coming again. And he will defeat all of the forces of evil. Justice will be served. And Jesus will set up his kingdom in great glory. And Jesus is the only way to salvation. There's no other way. There are not all roads lead to God. There's one road. And that's because of what Christ did for us at the cross. To think of it, if there were other ways to God... Why would Jesus go through all that? In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, if it's possible, if there's any way, take this cup from me. If there was another way, don't you think God would have found that? And there was only one way, and that was for the perfect son of God to sacrifice himself for your sin. To pay the price for you and die and rise again. And you can put your faith and trust in him. You better know the real Jesus. Because time is running out. Time is running out. Preach the real Jesus. Share the real Jesus. If you're here tonight and you haven't yet received the real Jesus. I want you to have an opportunity right now. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Lord, open our eyes. Keep our eyes open to truth. Deception is all over the place, Lord.
Lord, as your people here tonight, we are so grateful for the sacrifice that you made for us at the cross. Your victory over death. Thank you for saving our souls. And I pray that we'd live for you. Everyone here (coughs) who calls himself Christian, I pray that we would all live for you and share you with others without any fear whatsoever. And then, Lord, I want to pray for anyone here who has not received. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're here and you've never given your life to the real Jesus. Maybe you've been deceived. Or maybe you thought there were many ways. That it's no big deal. It's a big deal. I want you to be sure tonight, if you haven't received Christ, I want you to do it right now. A prayer of faith. It requires surrendering your life to him, admitting that you're a sinner, confessing that, asking him to be your Lord and Savior, acknowledging that he died on the cross for you and rose again, and you receive him as your Lord and Savior personally. If that's you, just in the quietness of your heart, cry out to God, I want, Lord Jesus, tonight, I open my heart for you. I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. I freely admit I am a sinner and need to be forgiven. And thank you for dying on the cross for me and rising again. Be my Lord, be my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and make me a light to others in this dark time. Use my life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you, if you pray,